another love song
asserting itself against that thick crust of man-madeness by which the natural topography of the borough had been long obliterated. She had been able to see that four-faced clock at the top of its domed tower, beneath which she knew her mother was scribbling and shuffling unawares. When she would see it, she would smile to herself, but nervously, and in spite of the pinch of the shoes, because she knew her mother would never suspect, or think, or care to. Now, on Flatbush, she could not see the clock, but its big and little hands still whipped around its four faces at once, and the blue and white ice cream truck jingled and chimed past, marking off time with its slow, elliptical revolutions around the neighborhood. She passed the dollar stores and the laundromats, and on through the wafting smells of Jamaican beef patties and cook-up and Dominican beans and rice. Rottweilers and pit bulls plowed past, ahead of adolescent boys at the ends of taut leashes. Giggling knots of Muslim girls floated by under their burqas, through the wisping smoke of incense stands, their Air Jordans moving quick beneath their skirts. By innumerable stiff and tiny steps, Anise moved closer to that undefined something she had created and shaped in her mind until it assumed, almost, some sense of parameter, a faint set of borders in profile against the stark emotional tangle of her life. On one side of it was the boy, smaller than she was almost, the color of honey, with those eyes both clear and fragile, and aloof at the same time, as if they could not be expected to see on their own as a matter of course, but could only be coerced, massaged into sight by careful degrees. On the other side she saw herself, older in her own mind, or perhaps not older but mature, sophisticated, fluid in her movements, standing there on one side of that pale, undefined construct with her lips parted and her pants pulled down. At Empire she stopped, looked both ways into the traffic. The light changed and she crossed the street slow and stiff and steady in that excruciating claymation lockstep with which she had ambulated fearlessly now through four sections of Brooklyn and which felt at last like walking a long, unraveling bed of nails. She was close now, the only thing separating her from what she believed she would find trembling in that old-fashioned phone booth of the unclever book-shaped building facing the triumphant arch in the plaza was the barren quarter mile of Flatbush Avenue where the furniture stores and knish stands and Chinese carryouts came to an abrupt halt and the park opened up wide on one side and the gardens on the other. For the first time since she had crossed that first street on Kosciuszko, with Keisha's and Cece's voices climbing behind her, she was afraid. She saw herself small and vulnerable and alone on that barren green quarter mile of Flatbush without the camouflage of shouting children and bustling distracted adults and wheezing dogs and dollar vans to protect her. She stepped up the curb crossing Empire and was alone now on that thin sidewalk that sloped up ribbon-like toward the plaza with only the cottonwoods and maples whispering on both sides of her and the traffic whipping down that stretch of avenue without stores or intersections or bus stops to slow it. For a moment she thought she would turn back. But she had walked so far in the pinching shoes and bright summer sun with that even brighter vision of the trembling, honey-colored boy encased in the antique phone booth there to pride her on that she could not turn back, would not turn back now from the vague, unstipulated watercolor of her mind with the boy on the one side and herself on the other with her pants down. 
So she walked on, stiff and doll-like and anxious and faster now with the shoes going clack, clack, clack along that long upsweep of sidewalk between the snatches of green. She was afraid, but the plaza grew nearer now and nearer, the sidewalk shortening up the hill before her and flowing out long and straight and narrow behind. As she came up, two Jewish ladies came down from the plaza in dark dresses to the ground, pushed past her with their purring strollers full of infants, looking from Anise to the long strip of sidewalk behind her and back again, but saying nothing, and Anise walking fast, clack, clack, clacking and not looking back. Finally she was there, sliding along the side of the building on those last few yards of walk before the plaza, the soaring clock tower of the Republic National Bank, peeking through the trees at times, grim and forewarning. She entered the building, spinning through the revolving doors and on into the hall. She clapped her shoes onto the escalator step and rode up calm and metallic, with her feet throbbing and shoe-stabbed, but so happy to be there finally, so close, and moving closer up that contracted stairwell, where she would not even have to move her feet except one last time to step off it, and there she would be with the boy looking at her now through the glass, or rather being coerced, cajoled into looking with those clear, aloof eyes by something he could not miss or mistake now because she had tried so hard. She went mechanically up and up, stepped off the escalator and to the left, her feet stiff and smarting through those last few steps before she would see the boy who would perhaps see her and who would certainly at least pull her pants down like he said, whether he saw her or not. She went down the corridor above the great main hall of the building, not looking down over the railing at all but focused on that old row of elongated wooden cubes with phones in them and hopefully two with at least one trembling honey-colored boy situated so convenient there to the bathroom where surely he would take her like he said. She drew up clacking to the first and looked in and to the next and the next but he was not there so that she searched the bathroom looking under the stalls and paced the hall outside and then the hallways and crisscrossing columns of books that gritted the building from hall to hall from one end of that hulking unclever edifice to the other through the untold volumes of human logic and learning and paginated keenness that offered no clue to her whatever clack clack clacking in pain until she was spit out lifeless through that wide revolving door battered and exhausted sat down on the stone steps under the engraving to think of the long walk home through the forest of overflowing trash cans and dog shit and exhaust in the ugly too tight shoes under the grim gaze of the clock until she was lost in the horror of it and cried and cried and cried and cried and cried.
Just gotta warm it up and take responsibility 
Go out like a whore for it Cause when I'm down, I'm down 